Good morning. God's grace, his mercy, and his peace are yours and will be yours till he returns again. Amen. Different things get different people excited. For me, especially this time of year, I get pretty excited about college football, NFL playoffs, uh, after Christmas sales, new movies that come out. The list is pretty long. Maybe you can relate to some of those things, or you have your own list. But the more and more I think about it, I'm not, I'm not as excited. I'm not as, as stoked as I used to be about those things. Yeah, they, I'm happy when my team wins. I'm happy when I save money. But I'm just not as, as invested in those things as I used to be. Maybe it's because it's, it's the same old story. The, the sports, they're just kind of bland now. And the sales, they're all the same. It, I feel like the well has run dry. I feel like I'm doing the same thing over and over and over again. And the more I thought about it, I think the same thing can happen to all of us when we hear the gospel. When we hear about Jesus and and God's word. We think to ourselves, boy, I've heard this same thing for however many years it might be. And we're left on the outside looking in because we, we don't want to apply Jesus to our lives. We've done that for way too long already. We we can get warm, fuzzy feelings. Sure, we put a smile on our face when we hear about what Jesus did, but we don't truly get excited. We don't truly get stoked about it, really pumped up. But today, we're going to use God's word so that we can get stoked about the gospel all over again. When the Apostle Paul was first, first mentioned in the Bible, he was not stoked about Jesus In fact, he was stoked about going against Jesus. Paul was uh, a persecutor of the church. He would hunt down Christians. He would imprison them. He uh, He would even go as far as killing them. Paul was an ancient ISIS agent, if you really think about it. But God had different plans for Paul. God changed Paul's identity. See, Paul was on his way to a city called Damascus. You can read about this account in Acts chapter 9. And Jesus appeared to him and changed Paul's identity. Jesus called Paul to faith. More than that, he told Paul, he commissioned him to go and preach the gospel, tell others about Jesus all around the world, the known world at the time. So Paul did that. He went to Greece and Rome and and all throughout that Middle Eastern part of the world and he created churches. And then after he had left those churches, he wrote letters back to those people to check on how they were doing. We have a couple of those letters in our Bible today and we have one of those before us here for our sermon text. And as I read these words from Ephesians 3, 2 through 12, I want you to think about how Paul is feeling as he writes these words. Especially when you consider where he was as a person in his faith. He was really headed for nothing but eternal death and destruction. But then Jesus intervened and changed his whole life. Just think of how stoked, how excited Paul was as he wrote these words. Paul says, 
Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. That's referring back to the first two chapters of the book. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose which he, that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and with confidence. There are a couple of repeated phrases, repeated words throughout that section. And one of them that I want to talk about is mystery. How many people like to read mystery novels? Or watch mystery movies, maybe? They take shorter. But when you're reading a book, you want to turn the page more and more and faster and faster as you uncover more of the plot. You just want to figure out who did it, who's behind all of it. Mysteries, by their very nature, create excitement. And when you get to the very end, you get that rush of adrenaline because you finally figured it out. You see what all of those little details meant along the way. That's where Paul is as he writes this letter. Paul didn't know what the mystery of God was, but God revealed to him, he turned the pages ahead for Paul so he could see the whole eternal plan unveiled right before his very eyes. That's what Paul is talking about in the first couple verses, two through five, how God revealed that mystery to him. He turned the pages ahead faster than Paul ever could. And it comes as a sort of plot twist because Paul, along with all Jewish people, basically, were taught through the Old Testament, that there would be a chosen people. Like we talked about with Isaiah, there would be a chosen people and a lot of Jews fell into the mindset that they would be the top dog. They would be the real chosen people of God. There would be other people there, other nationalities and other, other Gentiles, but the Jews would really rule supreme. But here's the plot twist. Look back to verse 6 of, of the reading. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. God wanted more than just the Jewish people to share in his complete uh, sonship and to be his children. God wanted all people to be saved. It doesn't matter where they come from. They could be Jews, Gentiles, Americans, Asians, Africans. It's everyone. So, Paul is so stoked about that mystery of the gospel. 
And the mystery is that no one is disqualified from being fully adopted into God's family. No one at all. Now, there might be some questions running through your head, as I imagine they were running through Paul's head. Why wouldn't God just save everyone at the very beginning? Why, wouldn't, why would God go through the trouble of telling the Jews that they were going to be saved and then expanding it to all people? But that's really the mystery of it all, isn't it? God had a plan from the beginning, and he included all people from the very beginning. He had a plan from before creation, and he created everything, which first of all takes a, an immeasurable amount of power, and more than that, he, he had everything that he created ordered in the exact position he wanted it to be so that he could accomplish his will. He could carry out his plan so that when the time had fully come, God would send his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law. God would carry out his plan exactly the way he wanted. It took way more than a bunch of power, though, from God. It took an immeasurable amount of love and mercy because we were under law. And the reason we were under law is because of Adam and Eve's sin right after God's creation. Adam and Eve's sin cursed all mankind to be born with a sinful nature. And Paul himself writes to, to the Roman church that he had, he had established or that had been established at his time. He wrote that the sinful mind is hostile to God it does not submit to God's law, and it's not even able to. No one is able to save themselves and bring themselves to God. Paul even wrote earlier in Ephesians 2 that we are dead in our sins. So why did God do it that way? Why did God allow sin into the world? Couldn't he have just zapped Adam and Eve right after they sinned and said, nope, I'm starting over i got to make it perfect. No, God didn't create the world to destroy it. God created the world to save it. He created the world to put his gospel into it. He created the world so that you could hear about his eternal and unchanging love. So you've heard about God's plan. You've heard about his story in the Bible. We see it in Jesus coming down at the perfect time to redeem all people. You're a part of God's story. You're a part of this reading even in Ephesians 3. You are heirs together with Israel. You are part of Christ's body. You share together in all the blessings and all the promises that God has set apart for you. If that doesn't quite get you stoked, just put yourself in Paul's sandals. Because he just, just look at where he was. He was completely opposed to God and his will. And yet Jesus cared so much about his individual soul, his eternal well-being. He loved him so much that he made a personal appearance to Paul. And he said, no, you're not doing that anymore. You are mine. You're going to help me tell others about myself. You're going to spread the good news to the whole world. Do you think Paul looked at the first half of his life a little differently after that encounter? Do you think he woke up every day being reminded of that personal face-to-face -face meeting with Jesus? 
you were the same as Paul. No, you weren't going around and, and putting people in prison and killing Christians, but by that sinful nature, you were opposed to God. You couldn't do anything to change that. But Jesus has made a personal encounter with you through his gospel, through his word, through baptism. He's come to you and he's changed your identity. And in that way, we are all like Paul because we have a new identity in Christ. That identity is kind of like a, a new car. Amy, my wife, and I, we, we just bought a new car within the last week or so. And we love it. It's great. It has low, low, um, low miles on the odometer. It has really good gas mileage, shiny tires, that new car smell. I think I like that part best. But you know as well as I do that as soon as you drive a new car off the lot, it stops being new. It loses its value. To, it's astronomical how much value just drops off by driving one mile. Because soon there are going to be repairs, there are going to be replaced parts. That new car smell is going to go away. But what if you had something that even as, as much as you used it, it stayed exactly the same? The blessings that you have through your identity in Christ, they don't need repairs. There are no oil changes, no renewal of warranties on Christ's sacrifice for you. It's all yours. No questions asked. And Jesus promises to continue to bless you each and every day with forgiveness, with a promise of eternal life. That identity, that sort of thing is something to get super stoked about. But what's an identity without purpose? Things that we get stoked about really change how we look at our day. When I would really be excited about watching football, I'd plan out my whole day so that I could watch as much football as possible. Oh, I loved it. And maybe if you live for sales at a store, you'll spend half a day going and shopping and saving as much money as you can. And then when you get home, you have to tell your friend or, or your husband or your loved one about how much money you saved, not because you want to show off, but you want them to save that much as well. You want them to benefit from that sale because those benefits might go away at any given point in time. I'm not trying to make heaven or the gospel sound like Coles or, or Dillard's or anything like that. But when you get excited about something, you want to tell someone about it. So Paul wasn't just stoked about the mystery of the gospel. He was stoked about the ministry of the gospel. And he wants you to be too. God's grace really does amazing things. It took Paul, a murderer, and made him an evangelist. Paul, the persecutor, became Paul, the preacher. And so instead of striving day in, day in and day out to persecute Christians, Paul's whole purpose changed along with his identity. In Colossians 1.29, he wrote, To this end, that's the ministry of the gospel, telling people about Jesus, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. There were plenty of times where Paul 
could, Paul ran into hardships. You think of shipwrecks, being flogged, being stoned almost to death. You'd think Paul would say, you know what, I'm not so stoked to tell people about Jesus anymore. The price isn't worth it. But Paul kept going because he knew that it wasn't his power that was driving him. It was Christ working in him and through him. So, what is stopping you from getting stoked about the ministry of the gospel? I know personally, I, I struggle. I get afraid of what people might say or think about me. They'll call me some, some Bible fanatic or something like that. Maybe worse. Who knows? Maybe you're worried about the resources that you have in your life. That You have to focus on those before you can tell others about that, but you never quite seem to have enough, do you? Maybe you're worried that you don't know enough about Jesus to tell others about him. Or maybe you feel completely unworthy to tell people about Jesus. We struggle to get stoked about the gospel because of that sinful nature that's always working in our hearts. It's working against God's plan. And the common thread in all of that is that we let those things like money, reputation, even our knowledge become bigger than our Savior. But think with Paul back to the identity that you've been given. Think about all the power, all the grace, all the mercy that God has shown to you. You don't have to worry about what people say or think about you because your identity is sealed in Christ. It's, it's all throughout the scriptures. God tells you to seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. He'll take care of the rest. If you feel unworthy or unfit to carry the gospel message to other people, good. That's okay. Look back to verse 8 with me of the, of the reading. Let's read that together. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. Paul thought of himself as the least deserving of all people in the world to be given the grace to preach about grace to people. But that didn't stop him from telling people about it. That didn't stop him from writing Ephesians. He wrote about it. He talked about it. He lived it. And if you feel like you don't know enough, you know Jesus loves you. You know that Jesus loves all people too. You can tell them that and know with confidence that they have the gospel message. Friends, don't let anything in your life become so big that you can't tell others about your, about your Savior, about Jesus. That's not part of God's plan. God's plan is summed up in, in verses 10 and 11. He wants the church, you, individually, to, unf- to tell others about the wisdom that God has and the boundless riches that have been showered upon you. As you grow in your faith and marvel more at how great grace truly is, grow in your energy to strenuously contend to tell as many people as you can about Jesus. You have the new car. Invite people in to experience how wonderful it truly is. 
We're not too far removed from New Year's, so I'd like to make a resolution for all of us to, to carry with us this year. And it's twofold. First, pray that the Holy Spirit would help you uncover more and more about the grace of God. As you marvel more at it, you will see how boundless the riches of Christ truly are. Second, surprise someone. Surprise someone with an invitation, not into a new car, but with an invitation to worship. An invite to your small group. Maybe it's just out to lunch so you can talk about life and share, share Jesus with them there. You'll be so surprised at what God can accomplish through one invitation to one event. Don't focus on what you know or don't know what you have or don't have. Look at what Christ has given you. Look at what Christ has done for you. And look at the wisdom of God that he has imparted to us through his word. When you focus on the right things, you have confidence. Confidence to approach your God and confidence to go out and tell others about their Savior. A Baptist preacher named D.A. Carson, he's, a, he's been a professor at a couple different seminaries and schools. He wrote about teaching his students about the gospel and he said this, If I have learned anything in 35 or 40 years of teaching, it's that students don't learn everything I teach them. But what they do learn is what I'm excited about. The kinds of things I emphasize again and again and again and again. That had better be the gospel. If the gospel becomes something which you primarily assume, but what you are excited about is what you're doing in some sort of social reconstruction, you'll be teaching the people that you influence that the gospel really isn't all that important. You won't be saying that. You won't even mean it or think it. But that's what you'll be teaching. You saw for the special music uh, a number of seminary, of men from the seminary up in Wisconsin. And there were more at Pflugerville this morning, 12 total. They're here to help us with reaching out to the community in Elgin. And I'm really happy. I'm happy to see them because they're my friends. Been going to school with them for any number of years. And I'm happy that we're getting food gathered up. We're partnering with the Elgin Food Pantry. I'm happy about that. But what really, what really gets me excited, what really gets me stoked is that we as a group gather around God's word, that marvelous, mysterious gospel, and we see how awesome it truly is. Not only that, we don't stop there. We're taking the gospel out to the people in Elgin. People who may have never heard about their Savior before. And we're going to start a church there. We're going to put a church there so that they can gather as a community to hear about their Jesus, their Savior. But truth be told, I don't need 12 other guys down here to get me out to tell people about Jesus. Neither do you. We do need something, though. All I ask is that as we go our separate ways, you search deep into your heart to see what it is that will get you stoked about the gospel again. Unfortunately, sometimes it happens through a near-death experience or some tragic event. Maybe it's hitting rock bottom or failing to reach your dreams and your aspirations. But 
I think it can be less painful than that. I think it can be a lot simpler than that. I think it's just as simple as meeting Jesus for the first time all over again. God will help you experience love and grace and mercy and peace like you have never experienced it before. That experience will give you confidence to go out and tell everyone you meet that Jesus loves them and he's here to save them. Amen.